0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. I am your host Thad Stoffer, and joining me today is Jason Gama, Lucas Kami, and Tom Timko. Guys, good morning. Good morning. We are recording this early, uh, actually later in October this this month, um, and I think we'll have some new listeners based on some feedback we've had. So, guys, let's do this. Let's take some time and share with our listeners our backgrounds, where they get to know us a little bit better, especially if they're new to this podcast. Jason, if you would, kick us off and give a little background for your career.
1: Yeah, my name is Jason Gama. I'm the state insurance product officer covering our Illinois territory here for Compeer Financial. Uh, Prior to my time here at Compeer, I spent time uh, with two different AIPs, uh, so starting my 20th year in crop insurance.
0: Large focus on the AIP level, Jason, was in the claims area, correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: So you bring that expertise with you here to Compure.
1: (laughs) Some say expertise. I just call it a good job faking it. I guess you'll have to decide.
0: Either way, you're getting it done. Thanks, buddy. Great. Lucas, your turn. Why don't you share with our listeners your background?
1: Uh, My name is Lucas Conomy. I'm the state insurance product officer for Wisconsin. Uh, I'm starting, I'm almost done with my seventh year in crop insurance. Uh, Mainly handled sales in southern, southern east, southeast Wisconsin, um, corn and bean country, a little bit of candy crops and stuff like that, but sales has been my main focus.
0: Thanks, Lucas. Tom, why don't you share now your background?
1: I love to thad. Tom Timko, state insurance product officer from Minnesota. Uh, been with the organization for over 20 plus years. Farming background, farm with my brother, corn and soybeans, love to talk marketing. Um, if I didn't mention it earlier, I am the eldest of the group, and clearly the voice of the reason, voice of reason as well of the group. But
0: uh, which is why we have you go last in the introductions. So yes, we can, we, can, we can edit this out. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's good to be here. Thanks, guys, again for your introductions. I know for our new listeners, they appreciate our backgrounds and understanding what we've done. Uh, for those who don't know my my background, I spent the better part of my career on the insurance company side, AIP, as you'll hear used throughout our podcast focused on marketing for a number of years and then jumped over in the claims and compliance side before joining Compeer. I've been on the Compeer side now just over 13 years and had the pleasure of leading our insurance team from a strategic standpoint and closely working with Lucas, Jason, and Tom. So guys, thanks. Today for our listeners we've got a variety of topics we're going to cover kind of talking about the farm bill decisions that will be coming up here We'll talk a little bit about the harvest price discovery, loop back around on MFP as we've talked in previous months. We'll actually dig in a little bit on what's called top up payments as relates to prevent plant situations we have this year and any other topics we decide to cover. But today is interesting for us because we have our first guest on the podcast working with uh, Alex Offerdale over the last couple of days and asked him if he would stick around a little bit longer here to. Join us for our podcast. Alex, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for making me your first guest. That's quite the honor.
2: I uh, was asked to do a quick introduction. I grew up on a small farm in northern Montana. Wheat, barley, and black cows. But like a lot of us, uh, my farm suffered from a surplus of sons per acre. So I found myself out there on the job force. Uh, For the last 20 years, I've worked in development of new crop insurance products. Our team led the development of the new margin protection product that some of you have taken a look at over the last couple of years. I work with Watson Associates and that makes me a blood sucking consultant, I suppose. Uh, They did a survey about three (laughs) years ago and they took a look at uh, least popular jobs in America and right above member of Congress and right below family law lawyer was consultant. So it's always an honor to be here. understand how universally reviled we can be, hopefully I'll be able to bring something valuable to this to this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here this morning, regardless of what others may think of you. Um, <laughs> we, we in the group here and for our listeners have had the opportunity to work with Alex specifically over the last number of years to be more educated within what's going on in the crop insurance industry. It's so lucky to have him working with us here the last couple of days here at here. So Alex, uh, given your background and where we're at, there's been a lot of conversation, there'll be much more coming up on the ARC PLC decisions as it relates to the farm bill. If you could maybe share with our listeners kind of where that decisions are headed, some things to keep in mind, and what what tie-in there is with crop insurance from that perspective.
2: Sure, so over the last five or six farm bills, we've seen a lot stronger link between crop insurance and the farm programs themselves. In the good old days, most of the spending in, crop in, or in the farm bill was in one form or another payments that were administered through FSA or through the old ASCS offices where we're thinking about payments based on production or ironically payments based on lack of production. And over the last several farm bills, the uh, emphasis, and you can think of Congress as voting with their checkbook, has absolutely shifted toward crop insurance more and more we're seeing those crop insurance decisions being tied in to the decisions that we make uh, on the FSA side for our farm programs and this farm bill, if nothing else, strongly reinforce those cross connections. So we'll talk a little bit about the decision you're getting ready to make with FSA where you're looking at either the ARC, the area, I'm sorry, the revenue program or PLC, the price program, the election you're making there and that decision has specific implications on what prop insurance options are available to you.
1: So Alex, you talked about the uh, PLC and ARC uh, decision being kind of a multi-year decision in the beginning, the first two years, and then post those two years, uh, you start to make that election year by year. I'm interested, uh, as we're looking at the ARC PLC decision tool that you referenced, in a lot of cases, that first year, it looks like a slam dunk to take ARC from a pure dollar sense. Uh, Just walk me through how that could be the right decision, but some cases uh, some more analysis might need to be done.
2: Well most of us remember that when we're getting ready to sign up for the Farm Bill for the 14-15 crop year we all took ARC and that was a pretty easy decision to make. We already had a pretty good sense what that payment was going to be for 14 and for a lot of us that was pretty big dollars on a per acre basis. So it made perfect sense. Now at that time we felt like ARC was the only way to go. Over the course of the Farm Bill it looks like PLC more or less paid out the same amount as ARC, but we were stuck for five years with whatever choice we made up front. We sort of took our money for the 14 and 15 crop years and then most counties didn't receive uh, a heck of a lot for the years after that. This time, one of the important reforms to the Farm Bill was to allow us to make multiple elections. So we'll make our first choice for 19 and 20, and then we'll make additional choices for 21, 22, and 23. We're going to have to do the math separately for each year and figure out exactly where we land But it also means that we need to think carefully about that SCO choice. Both ARC and PLC pay us based on 85% of our base acres. And most of us have an awful lot more planted acres than we've got base for, particularly on soybeans. A lot of us have a lot more corn base than we have soybean base. But overall, almost everyone's planting more acres than they've got base for. So ARC and PLC provide you protection, PLC for declining prices, ARC for declining price and yield, revenue, and ARC offers a lot the same type of coverage that SCO does on the crop insurance side. Now, of course, ARC is free. You go to FSA and you sign up, you've got the coverage. SCO, on the other hand, is crop insurance. You buy that on top of the, for most of us, revenue protection that we're buying when we make that election we have to remember that that really nice arc payment that is potentially staring us in the face for the 18 or for the 19 crop year and by some indications the potential for that payment for 20 is going to make arc pretty attractive and leave sco on the sidelines but if we've got a lot more planted acres than we have base we could be substantially better off on the sco side even though you're paying a premium this is a really heavily subsidized crop insurance program. For every dollar you pay, the federal government is paying two more dollars on top of it in the form of subsidized of subsidies, so they're carrying most of the weight for that policy. And as a result, when we're making those decisions, if we've got substantially more planted acres than we have base acres, we could be better off with SCO even though we have to pay a premium for it.
0: Alex, real quick though, to wrap up this discussion piece on the farm bill, key is we have some time. Mm-hmm. Those decisions will be made between now and March 15th, but you would recommend we don't wait till March 15th.
2: Well, depending on how your local county FSA office operates, trying to push it to the very end of the deadline is probably not a good idea for making those elections. I, particularly for my own farm, had my FSA appointment rescheduled six times last year. Uh, offices get busy, they've got a lot of other priorities they're dealing with and uh, other farmers are likely to have waited as late as, as they could as well to try and get as much information as they can to make that choice. Unlike crop insurance where your agent will drive out to your farm at 11.50pm on the 15th to get your signature where it needs to be, in uh, FSA offices that door is going to close at 5pm pretty much right. regardless of what's going on. So I. Encourage you to make sure you've got an appointment somewhere in the second half of February or first half of, April, of March So that you can get in and make those elections, but don't push the deadline
0: Thank you and the key again listeners uh, Be proactive get information early so we can make a qualified decision Alex we're in the uh, month of October. We are calculating harvest price I'd like you to kind of speak to that a little bit and I'd also like you to hit on a, a question we had from one of our loyal listeners Ryan who kind of asked the question of Sure seems like harvest prices tend to go higher when we start tracking the closing or the harvest price in October.
2: I know this is one of those things that just drives farmers absolutely crazy. For our revenue plans, the projected price, the price we start out with, is the simple average of the December or November futures, corn and soybeans respectively, uh, the daily closes from the Chicago Board of Trade for the month of February. Uh, harvest season, it's based off of the closes in the month of, February, of October. And wouldn't you know it, this year is a perfect example. After we saw the markets wander, stagger from place to place, uh, getting as low as 350 on the corn side at the worst this summer, and now start to kind of come together as people increasingly realize that NAS was indeed wrong and this crop is not quite as big as they projected, oh, we've seen the prices come higher again. So for those of us who are sort of penciling in really big crop insurance indemnities based on a fairly disappointing crop and then also um, just very low prices, we've seen a lot of those expectations evaporate. Right now, if price discovery were to end today, we'd be looking at 3.92 as a harvest price for corn from $4 where we started out. We'll be somewhere in the 9.28-9.29 range probably for soybeans and we won't know that for sure for a couple of days yet, but either of those harvest prices are substantially higher than we were for most of the summer. That means that for those of us who are buying 80 or 85 percent crop insurance, we could find ourselves just barely on the outside looking in in terms of getting some sort of indemnity because of where those harvest prices are landing.
0: Great, I appreciate that and special thanks to Ryan from Iowa from that question. If you have other questions, uh, please reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to add those questions to future future podcasts. So again, thanks for that. So let's switch gears here, gang. Um, one of the things we saw here with the prevent plant situation this summer was obviously a number of prevent plant claims, a lot of payments, uh, well over several billion dollars of payments made with prevent plant. But we've also seen two recently here what's called a top-up payment. And if you would, Alex, kind of share with the group the top-up payment and the role that crop insurance companies and agents are playing in this top-up program.
2: So the disaster bill that was passed in June this year included some pretty unusual language to add supplemental disaster relief for folks who suffered from the 2019 prevented plant situation. Traditionally, the disaster bills are focused more specifically on payments for named events, whether that be a named storm like a hurricane, uh, straight-force winds, flooding, etc. But this Farm Bill was different. In order to get the political will necessary to get it passed for what were effectively disasters, mostly in the South, uh, several Midwestern Senators pushed for language that included relief for disaster and for a prevented plan. And the thing that made this one specifically different was, unlike past disasters, which have almost exclusively been administered by the Farm Service Agency, This one was actually handled by crop insurance. The same crop insurance company that wrote you your first prevented plant check also provided the top-up supplemental dollars. Those were checks cut directly by those crop insurance companies to make up the difference. For most of us, that was another 15 points on the prevented plant payment that we'd already received. Uh, For those of us who took the revenue protection with the harvest price exclusion, that was an additional 10 points, but it was certainly a much needed boost, particularly in some of these states. South Dakota had the biggest prevented plant loss ever this year. Nationally, we had the biggest prevented plant loss ever. That additional five or 10, I'm sorry, 10 or 15 points made a heck of a difference in our bottom lines for folks that had big preventive plant losses.
0: And yeah, I think it's always willing to, or it's good to point out that the, the crop insurance companies this year, albeit aren't administering typically anything within this realm but in their partnership with USDA stepped up and agreed to get those payments out, largely because the insurance companies have that data.
2: Well, I think that they had the data made it a really easy decision, but I think we can look to see more of this going forward. No one has been as efficient or as fast in getting those checks cut and put in producers hands as the folks at the crop insurance companies. Uh, the Farm Bill was signed into law in December of 14, and yet the first sign-up period doesn't end until March of 20. I'm sorry, December of 18 till right. March of 20. So it took uh, 19 months for FSA to formalize the implementation process of the Farm Bill.
0: Thanks, Alex. Good information as always for us to keep in mind. Well, gang, listen. Let's wrap up today's conversation here. If you are listening this in the next coming weeks here. Likely for you, harvest is in full swing or on the downward swing, depending on when you got started and what Mother Nature has been doing with us here lately. Keep in mind as you're harvesting those yields out there that with prices as you know, kind of hovering around that projected price point, as Alex mentioned earlier, make sure you're turning in those yields to your agent timely. Let's make sure we're looking to see if there's any yield deficiencies, yield claims out there as we look to wrap up this year's harvest. As a new subscriber, listener, uh, we'd we'll ask you to please rate, review, tell a friend, and look, talk, look forward to talking to you next month. Thanks.